0: in life are sweeter to Alex George than giving a book a loving home. Even fewer things are more satisfying when those bookworms come back raving about it. After reading and complaining about a slew of bad books, a friend of Alex George told him to put his money where his mouth is and write one himself. So he did. Now, seven books, an annual festival, and two businesses later, Alex isn't slowing down. A UK native, Alex studied law at Oxford and became a corporate lawyer where he practiced in London and Paris before coming to Missouri. After becoming a full-time writer, he came up with the idea of Unbound Book Festival in 2012 while on tour for his fifth book, A Good American. In 2014, he and other local artists and book enthusiasts got together to discuss this idea of a book festival in Colombia. The first Unbound Book Festival took 18 months to plan, and in April 2016, he and his team were met with hordes of book lovers. In From Unbound came Alex's inspiration for opening Skylark Bookshop. The public's enthusiastic response to the festival showed him there was a need for something like this in the community. Although he has many irons in the fire, Alex spends as much time as he can at Skylark, placing the right book in the right person's hand. Like so many others, Alex had to adopt new ways of doing things in store and for Unbound Book Festival due to COVID-19. We sat down with Alex to talk about the many challenges and triumphs he's faced as he continues to run multiple businesses and a festival during a pandemic. I'm your host, Grace Cooper, and here's Alex George with our reporter, Alex Meese. Welcome to Vox Voice.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Mr. George, thank you for joining us on the podcast. (laughs) Of
2: course, you're welcome.
1: Uh, Jumping right into things, I just want to get on the first question. Um, Where are you from and what brought you to Columbia?
2: So I'm originally from uh, from the UK. Uh, I grew up in the West Country, uh, about seventy miles west of London, near Stonehenge. It's the sort of the, the, the place where most people know. Um, I went to college at Oxford and then lived in London for eight years before coming to coming to Missouri. And I came here. Um, I met somebody from Missouri uh, when I was actually working as an attorney in Paris, and we uh, we got married in New York. Lived in London and. Uh, for a little bit, and then we decided to come back to be close to to her family. So that's sort of how I ended up here, and I've been here for 18 years now.
1: Awesome. Uh, While you were on tour for A Good American, what was it that inspired the idea of the Unbound Book Festival?
2: Well, I was um, one of the things that I was invited to do when I was on that tour was to attend various literary festivals um, in a a number of different cities and states. And um, I just remember thinking that... uh, how, how much fun they were and how Columbia would be uh, perfectly suited for that kind of event. You know, we're a town that loves its festivals, whether it's True Fault or Roots and Blues. Um, and we're also a town that, you know, is very literary. We've got you know, a, a ton of very smart readers here and also lots of writers. And so it really just made a lot of sense. Um, now... Um, theory uh, and execution are t- <laughs> two different things, um, and it took uh, many, many years to to uh, to get to the point where we were actually able to uh, to to make it happen. But that was that was the the first the first gem of the idea. That was where it grew from.
1: And how did your law background benefit you in getting all of these things off the ground?
2: It helped a little bit uh, in that I you know um, I'm a corporate lawyer and I do estate planning, and so I was able to. For example, set up a, a Missouri nonprofit corporation and to get uh, a non-profit status for the company uh, quite quickly. Uh, I was also able to do various other sort of corporate boring things, like whether it was minutes or, or things like that, and was just just able to make sure that everything was was done correctly and all the the Ts were crossed and the Is were dotted. So there was some there, that was some some help, I think
1: you mentioned running it as a non-profit um what are the challenges or what is it like really running a non-profit festival as opposed to a for-profit
2: um well i've only ever done one so i can't really speak to how how it is when you're trying to make money out of it but um so <laughs> it's uh but it i mean it's uh, it's a challenge i mean running any kind of festival any kind of arts event is a challenge i think um you know we we did it um it was some advice i got very early on um was to to get the non-profit registration moving um it does help when you are asking people for money which we do a lot since every every event that we do is free and so we require uh, we we rely i should say on uh, contributions and donations from the community uh, and when you're able to say well then your gift is going to be tax deductible that's obviously a big uh, big advantage so um so some of the best advice that i got was to was to get the 501c3 status quickly, uh, which allowed us to be able to sort of help our supporters by by making those those gifts tax deductible.
1: Obviously, with everything going on in the world, there's a lot of challenges as far as getting unbound um, online. What were some of those challenges moving the festival to an online format?
2: Well, one of the, the biggest challenges was kind of, you might say, was a nice problem to have in that one of, one of the decisions that we made was to... Um, expand the festival, the, the footprint of the festival, from just being over one weekend to being over the course of three months. And one of the reasons that we did that was because um, <laughs> something that always people would always complain about when we did it in person and over the course of one weekend was that there were too many uh, too too many choices that needed to be made. So, you know, when when we did the events on Saturday at Stevens College, they were usually five or six venues with things going on simultaneously in all five or six. And people would say, well, I have to make a choice. I want to go and see four of these things, and I can only see one. And so one thing that we did think that when we made the decision to take it online, we regarded it as an opportunity to at least finesse that particular issue for one year. So we began at the end of January and are going through all the way through to April 23rd. Um, which was great, but one of the issues with that was trying to um wrangle <laughs> the authors um when you have it have the event over one weekend, it's pretty simple. you can go well this is the this is the weekend. can you come or can you not come um and the answer was either yes or no. Now, when you have effectively scores of different potential dates um for any particular event, it actually gets much, much more complicated because uh, you know you have well author a can do dates x y and z and author b can do dates c d and e and and so just trying to try to get everyone on the same if you'll forgive the pun the same page uh, in terms of 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 getting the dates right that actually was quite difficult to do um, but you know, I mean, as, as 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 problems go, as as I say, it was a nice one to have. Um, and then we had some issues that we just needed to resolve and make make calls on, like what platform are we going to use, and, and what's the what's the optimum way of getting the events out to the maximum number of people. Um, and so we spent quite a lot of time looking at the various options and, and before we settled on one. And then once we had done that, we then had to learn uh, how to make it work. And uh, you know, we, we, um, we enlisted the help of some professionals here in town who um, ran the first few for us. And then we have a team of four uh, people who, um, who now run all of the events for us. We have two teams of two. Uh, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday, and they they sort of had training, uh, and that, and um, and they were able to, and they are now able to, to to run it on their own. So there was a very steep learning curve in a lot of different uh, areas, um, but it's it's all it's all good. You know, we we we've, we've learned a lot, and um, I think we've managed to reach uh, new audiences, and so we're we're happy.
1: And obviously, I think the biggest change um, for the upcoming festival would. Be Ur- the festival is the length, but um, what are some of the other big changes that attendees can expect for this year?
2: Well, one of the fun things about doing it online is that we've been able to expand the uh, the, the guest list a little bit. Um, so, as I said <clears throat> previously. You know, you had to be available on a particular weekend, and that's no longer the case. And and the other thing that always, of course, we required before is that people had to get on a plane uh, or in a car and actually get to Mid Missouri. And, and obviously this year that's not been necessary. So we have had um, some overseas guests that we've never had before. So we've had two from the UK and one from Vietnam. Um, that's been kind of fun. And you know, we've we've put these events on. The very first event we did. Back on January the nineteenth, we had, um, let me see, we had one person on the west coast, two on the east coast, and then two in the Midwest. And just being able to have that flexibility uh, in terms of um, where the authors were w- was wonderful. Uh, so that was that was a huge a huge benefit.
1: Of the things you've had to do differently due to COVID nineteen, is there anything that you're going to continue doing after the pandemic?
2: Well, therein lies the uh, <laughs> the big question um and the answer is um almost certainly uh we're not quite sure what yet um you know we we want to when when the festival is over, we'll take a deep breath and uh, go and lie down for a week, uh, and then we'll pick ourselves up again and and discuss that exact thing. Uh, we'll be working out what we can what we've learned and what we can keep from this year. Uh, going forward, um, you know, I certainly hope that we will be able to uh, record some of the some of the events that we we never really did in the past. We we did some audio recording uh, and turned those into podcasts, but um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to be more focused on that moving forward, so that. Uh, all of the events when we get back to doing them in person will be able to be recorded so that we can maintain that that sort of scope of the audience and the the, the wider audience that we we have got this year so they will be able to continue to tune in uh, and and watch uh, even though they're, they're not actually in columbia missouri uh,
1: speaking of columbia missouri how is running skylark bookshop and unbound book festival made you feel closer to the columbia community
2: uh, well, I mean, it, that's that's a great question, uh, and the you know I, one of the reasons why I began the festival was as a way of, um, for want of a better word, giving something back. You know, I've I, I've been I've been here for eighteen years now. Um, from the very first day, I've been welcomed, uh, despite the funny way I talk um and uh, people have been so kind to me and really just us feel like home and so doing the festival was one thing uh, to do that um uh, and to give something back a little bit uh, and the bookshop too is is very much um a labor of love uh we um you know my business partner and i Kerry Kupke, uh are passionate uh, about books of course Uh, and about reading and it's a wonderful privilege to be able to run an independent bookstore um, in a town like this. You know, as I said before, this town is full of incredibly smart readers uh, and um, it's wonderful to um, get to know them, to become friends with them and to be able to recommend books. There's there's very little uh, that's more satisfying than putting the right book in the right person's hand. And then they'll come back a week later and say, that was amazing. You know, that's, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I think the books are a, a universal force for good in the world. And uh, the, more, the more that we can sell, uh, the, the better everyone, else, everyone is. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing and, and a huge privilege.
1: You just mentioned that, that feeling of putting a book in someone's hand and really having them enjoy that. What are some of the other things you enjoy most about operating the bookshop?
2: Uh well, I mean, just having the conversations um being able to you know that we we everybody at the shop loves a challenge, and um you know when somebody comes in and says, "Well, I want something for my mother in law she's she's quite picky and she likes this and she hates this and but blah, blah blah and just being able to sort of filter all of that and process it all and then to come up with a good suggestion or two. Uh, is uh, is very satisfying. So it's and, and just having conversations about books. You know, people come in and they want to talk to us. They read a review. They want our opinion. They want to know what we think about this. Um, uh, and um, so that's that's wonderful. There's also um, an incredible community of independent booksellers throughout the United States, and some of the friendships that I have made with other booksellers across the country. Um, those are some of the the most rewarding elements of the job as well. Um, You know, there is is zero uh, competition between booksellers. You know, we all believe that, you know, all boats rise. um, And so we all support each other. uh, And that has been a a really rewarding aspect of it all, too.
1: You mentioned this great community of independent booksellers throughout the nation. How have you seen that community affected by COVID-19?
2: Well, it's been uh, badly affected Um, since the pandemic started. One independent bookstore has gone under every week for the last year. There's actually a piece out in, uh, in Publishers Weekly today uh, which I'm actually in um about the year that has just happened and sort of the we were sort of I think it's called Booksellers Remember the Year They Want to Forget <laughs> or something like that. Um it's been very difficult. Um, you know, many, many bookstores, including ours, had their doors closed for months on end. Uh, we did too. But the thing about booksellers is that they are extraordinarily creative and innovative. And they find ways around problems. So, for example, one of the things that we did when we weren't able to welcome people into the shop, and that was the case for quite a long time, we were still taking orders uh, over the phone. We were still taking orders on email. And then at the end of every day, we would climb into our cars and we uh, we delivered books all across the city. Uh, and I discovered... <laughs> parts of Columbia that I didn't know existed, um, but that was what you do. You do what you do what you have to do to to keep open and to to uh, um, pay the bills and and to keep putting books in people's hands. So, and there were lots of things like that. You know, we pivoted from having a very healthy uh, in store event program to doing everything online, um, and we had some absolutely extraordinary authors and poets who came. Um, to talk um, before before the festival, sort of you wearing my wearing my skylark hat, uh, and we we welcome many many people like that. So it's and 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 those stories are the same stories that you will see throughout the country. Uh, you know, people um, being faced with you know these rather dire um, situations and making the best of them and uh, and uh, learning how to adapt and um, yeah, it's been an education um, and I'm just incredibly grateful that we've received this we, 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 we have had extraordinary support from the community and indeed from beyond the community uh, and people have been we made a point of shopping with us, uh, buying books from us because they want to see us uh, continue, they want to see us thrive and we're very grateful for that
1: Shifting gears to your experience as an author out of the seven books you've written what has been your challenging, most challenging or frustrating experience as a
2: writer? <laughs> Well, um, I mean, (laughs) there are so many, it's hard to know where to begin. Uh, I mean, the the most recent book uh, that was published last May was certainly the most challenging book that I wrote from a technical perspective. Um, It took place over the course of one day. There are four interlocking narrative lines, um, and they were told in in strict rotation. um, But... I also had to keep the chronology of the day going in a, in a seamless projection in one direction throughout the course of, of the book. Um, so that was an incredibly difficult thing to do sort of technically and felt very good uh, when I finally sort of managed to unlock that puzzle and, 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 and make it work. I mean, every book poses different challenges and they're all hard you know it is not the case that the more you do the easier it gets (laughs) unfortunately far from it um so you know the challenges that i had when i wrote my first book back in the late 90s are very different to what i'm doing now but they are they are just as just as real um just um just a different a different brand of problem i guess um but you know that's part of the fun of it is you know as 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 a as a writer when you're faced with a blank sheet of paper you know you <laughs> you rather create your own problems um and you you know you set up uh, riddles to solve if you like um uh, and just the riddles change but that that is definitely part of the um it's part of the challenge but it's also part of the fun
1: on the other hand what do you consider to be some of the most gratifying moments of your career
2: well there's little that is better than receiving unsolicited mail uh, from people who you have touched uh, by your work. You know, there's a very famous quote by E.M. Forster: "Only connect." Um, and it feels that that's what we as novelists do, or try and do, is just to we we want to to move people. We want to move them and entertain them and make them think uh, but most of all i mean speaking personally i want to move them um and so when i receive emails or, or letters or cards from people um speaking about their reaction to the book it's great it really does feel that you know because because writing is a very lonely job um you know you sit in your room um and just tapping away quietly and uh when you put a book out into the world, it's exciting, but it's also vaguely terrifying too. Um, and because you never know how people are going to react, well, the one thing you can be sure of is that <laughs> nobody ever wrote a book that everybody loved. <laughs> so there's going to be, there's always going to be some, uh, some adverse commentary. And the, you know, one of the tricks is to is to ignore that, uh, and then be grateful when people take the time to. Uh, to write and to say how much they they enjoyed the book and and that is a wonderful uh, a wonderful thing and it it makes that loneliness all worthwhile when you can bridge that gap uh, a little way like that.
1: Do you have a piece of fan mail or a response um, that a fan gave you that really sticks out in your mind?
2: Not really, not in particular. Um, I mean, I'm, I've been incredibly lucky to have received many uh, and. Um, I got one just this morning uh, from somebody who read the Paris Hours, and and she um she was a she is a musician and had lived in Paris herself, and uh, there were lots of you know she just felt there were lots of connections there with with, with Proust and with Ravel, and these are all uh, sort of artists and musicians who she had a particular affinity for, and. Um so that was the most you know, that was literally this morning that that email came in. So that's the one that's top of my mind right now. Um but some of the most touching ones actually were for my uh For a good American in in 2012. You know, that is a story of um a family, a young couple who leave Germany in nineteen oh five and they come to the States and they find themselves more by um by accident than by design in Missouri um and um when that book came out i received a lot of mail with people telling me their own family stories uh, very similar ones um you know leaving a lot of people leaving germany and ending up in missouri and that was a very humbling experience because um you know these people you know they underwent and uh, you know huge sacrifices and and challenges to get to america and the difference, of course, between their stories and mine is that theirs were actually true. <laughs> I just made mine up. Um, and so that was wonderful. to To it was a real privilege to to be for those for those readers to share those stories with me.
1: Outside of writing, running the bookshop, planning Unbound, and practicing law, what are some things you do for fun? Do you have any lesser known hobbies?
2: <laughs> well, I run. Um, uh, I've run three marathons and. Um, you know, hopefully, we'll do some more. Now, you did ask me, what do I do for fun? Uh, I'm not entirely sure if I run for fun. I'm not entirely sure why I run, to be honest. But uh, but I do. Um, uh, so running is is something that I I enjoy. And um, one thing that I have a particular passion for is cooking. Uh, my mother was a, a professional cook and caterer, and uh, all of my family are rabid uh <laughs> cooks and we uh we are forever we get on zoom every sunday and talk and and we're always sort of recommending new cookbooks and uh and i love to uh love to cook um so there's that uh, i mean i'm a <clears throat> i'm a dad uh and uh you know i sort of i have uh, two kids and two two step kids uh and uh, so you know we have a busy uh family life as well so there's uh, always something going on. <laughs> Keep me out of mischief. I'll just
1: lay this out as the final question to wrap up the interview. What does the future hold for you? Um, would you like to be able to retire one day? And if so, how will you know when that day comes?
2: Well, one of the great privileges of, of where I find myself right now is that I have no idea how to answer that question. Um, you know, I am 51 years old, just had a birthday. And if you had asked me 25 years ago, where I would be when I was fifty-one, I would have been able to tell you with a fair degree of confidence what the answer to that question was, and I would have been a partner uh, in this the big corporate law firm where I began in London, uh, and I would um, probably, you know, I mean, that, and that that and that's. Um, that was my life. That was the the life that I thought I was going to have. And if you had said to me, well, actually, you're going to be living in Missouri, uh, running a book festival and running a bookshop and writing books. Well, my first question would have been, where's Missouri? Uh, and then then I would have sort of uh, gone <laughs> asked about the other things, too. So I feel like, and I feel very lucky that, you know, with these four jobs that I have, every day is different. Um, and. That, that that feels like a real privilege as well. I mean, this morning I drafted an estate plan for a client, then I've come in to see you, now I'm going to, after this, I'm going to go to the bookshop. So every day is different, and that, that, that feels like a blessing, because when I was an attorney, <laughs> you couldn't say that. Every day was pretty much the same, uh, just an awful lot of paper and an awful lot of stress. And so I'm grateful for that. As for what the future holds, I mean, you know, we... We feel like we're really just getting started with the bookshop. There are so many plans that we have which got interrupted understandably because of COVID-19. We're very much looking forward to getting back on track with with some of those plans Um, and just to make the festival grow. uh, I want to write you know another book and then another book after that and hopefully they'll keep getting better. Um, So there's just a lot, there's a lot and um, you know, I'm, I feel rather fortunate to be able to say that I really don't know, uh, uh, other than that, uh, what, what the future holds.
1: Thank you so much. Those are all the questions I have for you today.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Vox Voice. After listening to this episode, stop by Skylark Bookshop, where Alex George can find a book to meet exactly what you're looking for.